Hello and welcome to episode 861 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, October 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> the Dodgers won the World Series. Oh, no. You can, you can no longer lord it over Dodgers fans <laughs> to the degree that you could as a Giants fan. Because now, the Giants ones are in the rearview mirror a bit. And they finally got theirs. Let me ask you: um, apart from it being the Dodgers, let's put your let's put your disdain for them aside. Do you put any sort of asterisk on this? No, I mean, okay, yeah, good. Me neither. I like. Don't get me wrong. Do I? Am I going to make jokes about it being a shortened season every time a Dodger fan, you know, talks about them being the World Series champions? Of course. But anybody trying to take anything away from what the Dodgers did um, in order to go win a World Series, uh, I, I think is silly. It's I agree, and I, you know, I think you could make a case that not that it was necessarily harder, but I get you know maybe a team that like like if Toronto had somehow just gotten crazy and went through the playoffs, I think it could maybe put a little asterisk on that. Like, would they've even made it in one sixty two type of deal? There was no question the Dodgers were making the playoffs. And they ran through a deeper playoff because the playoffs were bigger than ever before. So you could almost, like I said, you, and then throw in all the COVID stuff and, and just the, the craziness of 2020, and you can almost make a case that, that their path was a little bit tougher than the normal one. Mm-hmm. But I certainly wouldn't be trying to asterisk it in any no. sort of way. Were the Dodgers the best team in the National League? Yes. yes. Were the Rays the best team in the American League? Yes. How often do we even get a World Series with the two best teams in that's baseball? The, that's the funny part. Uh, all those extra playoff teams are like, th- this could create some wildness. Yeah. One <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, as much as I hate the Dodgers in principle, I'm not taking anything away from uh, from them, from their fans. You know, this was a long time coming. Uh, I'm happy for Dodger fans that... Uh, have haven't experienced a championship in what 32 years so I mean people mm-hmm. on listening to the show uh, weren't alive <laughs> the last time the Dodgers yeah. won the World Series so no anybody who tries to uh, like seriously tries to say that this season is an asterisk because it's shortened um, or it doesn't count because of everything it, I think is ridiculous and bitter and uh, it's just just silly yep I think that's completely fair. And, and and the right way to look at it, like, don't waste your time trying to, to undercut it. I think that they earned it. They deserve it. And I'm really happy for Kershaw because mm-hmm. um, I, really, I really like him. And, you know, I understood why he had the, had the narrative that he did. If you really look into it, it started off a little bit flimsy and then, and then really gained weight as far as, like, the meltdown was coming at some point during seemingly every October. Um, but now big October this year. He was good more, more than he was bad, and now he got his title, so his legacy will not carry that sort of like, well, yeah, but he never won. He's not he Dan Marino of baseball. That, that's exactly who I was going to say was Dan Marino. Um, and now he doesn't have to deal with that, and that's good. All right, that's going to put a bow on, on 2020 there. Let's let's start looking forward a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, positions. We kind of did a little bit of a catcher review slash preview uh, when we when we did the early mock draft hitting portion because that catching pool is so bizarre and I think we did a fun job really diving in there. Let's talk some first base today. 
And uh, Dude, do we want to hit a notable transaction first? Oh, uh, wait, wait, what's that? Colton oh, Wong got non tendered yesterday. I think we're going to see a lot of non tenders. Yeah, I really do. I think we're going to see a lot. Um, I saw this. I can't remember who. So pardon me. I don't have credit. Um, made a comparison of it being similar to the um, Cesar Hernandez one. Mm-hmm. And that it could have a similar outcome where somebody goes and, and gets Colton Wong and, and gets a damn fine player, which is what I suspect will happen. Cesar Hernandez went over to the to the uh, uh, Cleveland Indians and you know got right back on track and, and had a really good season for them. And I think we'll see something like that with Wong. He's a great defender, uh, which keeps him keeps him going. He, he's coming off of a little bit of a down year, whereas Cesar was coming off of a standard Cesar Hernandez year. So I think that's part of it. Actually, no, I'm looking at it. He was coming off a 92 OPS plus and then put up a 106 this year. But Wong's coming off an 87. And uh, it's because the power wasn't there. Now, would it have come through if we had four more months of season? You know, coming through, by the way, means getting up to like the high 300s and low 400s for a slugging percentage. But he was down at 326. He still had a 265 average and a 350 OBP. Can you think of any teams off the top of your head that Colton Wong would be a good fit for, Justin? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, my Giants, I'd love to have him there. I mean, he's a plus plus defender. Hang on, let me check something. Let me check. Ah, he'll be 30 next year. That's perfect. Yeah. I was just making sure that he was older so that you, your team could get him. Cause, mm, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would love him on the Giants. I think that would be uh, a really nice fit. I don't know what their situation is going to be in terms of, uh, you know, going after free agents or not. My, my guess is, you know, they're still kind of in a rebuilding phase. So why invest long term? Uh, the Phillies? But that's the kind of guy like that they would get, though. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be super expensive for Colton Wong. I think he's going to get a multi-year deal, though. But how many? Two? I three? Think, I think he gets a three-year deal. I don't know. Cesar Hernandez, didn't it? Yeah, yeah I really like that The defense, because... though, is just so elite for... It's very good. It's very, very good. He had a gold glove back in 19. Um, I mean, he's been a good defender before that. He, he was... He was good this year. We're talking so, about a guy who, in a shortened season, 1.3 war, in spite of the fact, you know, he had the 92 WRC+. plus. Like, Which tells you where the defense yeah, is. Yeah, the defense is just so elite, um, you know, and he's been virtually an average offensive player almost all of his career, and he's been a positive war player. And so I just, there's going to be a team that says... Uh, you know, I mean, if he's going to get a one-year deal, like, wh- why wouldn't the A's make sense? That would be good. Yeah, you know, because Tommy Lestella is a free agent. You know, a team that, uh, you know, really looks at the numbers and, and, you know, and tries to put together maybe not the most beautifully uh, constructed team, but a team that just fits really well together. That's Oakland, that's the kind of fit that they would do. That's a, that's a really good call out. Um, and they can maybe get him on a two-year deal, at, you know, two and mm-hmm. two and twenty. It was a twelve point five million dollar option, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think so, two twenty three thirty sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Um, both sides have agreed to keep the door open on a return. We'll see if that happens too. He could 
feasibly go back at a better price and maybe you know maybe they do the 220 or something like that so yeah Colton Wong I think we're going to see more I don't think this is going to be the only non-tender that's like whoa okay that one's a little bit uh, a little bit surprising there um the Marlins do exercise the 12 and a half million dollar option on Stanley Marte as we suspected they mm-hmm. would when they acquired him I still cannot believe that the Diamondbacks traded him going, got nothing back they weren't him. going to take that like and that's why they traded him because they, they weren't going to do it there are going to be some like really really cheap teams like I I think wow. that Adam Eaton option 10 and a half mil declined wow that's surprising I'm telling you we're going to see a ton. There will be buyers, though. There, you know, well, yeah, they're, because, they're gonna I mean, be... there's going to be so many open slots. People have to start buying these players back up. So is the, the pricing is just going. I'm just curious how the pricing is going to work out with everything. The problem is, it's just going to be an off season where the rich get richer. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it's accurate. No, but I also think it's a, you know, an off season in which like a team like Miami, which has shown that they you know, want to compete and um, have really turned their things around. Like, they, if they wanted to be aggressive this offseason, they could get a real influx of talent. Yeah, without uh, without breaking the bank either. Mm-hmm. You know, you get some. there's going to be some really interesting players out there on the market. So we'll stay tuned on top of that. Uh, so good call out bringing up Colton Wong. Now let's get into first base here, and uh, let's take a, just maybe a quick review Jose Abreu was the top first baseman on the player radar. He was insane. Uh, Freddie Freeman, number two, makes sense. But then you got a pair of Yankees, Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu. LeMahieu will retain first base eligibility. Real Muto's five, but if you ever put a catcher at first base, you're really doing <laughs> it wrong. So I, I don't even I don't even like to include those guys because I, I, I would never want to encourage putting a catcher eligible guy anywhere but catcher yeah that, that's uh, a desperation move in a deep league yeah, yeah something really went wrong there um, it's like putting a tight end at flex in in fantasy football where you're like eesh i just don't have any any good options there unless you have like two of the best um cody bell or excuse me dom smith cody bellinger pete alonzo uh darno fits in there too but again not talking about catchers. Eric Hosmer, Wilmer Flores. Well, Wilmer Flores, that one's surprising. I don't even think I listed him. And then Christian Walker rounds out the top 10. Uh, Matt Olson was down at 16. Um, Reese Hoskins at 21. Paul Goldschmidt, 23. Max Muncy down at 26. Anthony Rizzo, 27. So, yeah, there were some, uh, there, there were some interesting rankings. Mike Moustakis down at 43. Mm-hmm. Really did not come through. What was your general takeaway at first base this year before we get into looking at it for 2021? I think it has thickened up a little bit or gotten a little bit deeper than maybe we thought it was coming into uh, 2020. Um, yeah, because we were worried about it mm-hmm. a bit last year, saying, like, get one of the higher guys because it's not great. Yeah, but, I mean, there were a lot of guys who kind of emerged or popped up, you know, Dom Smith. Uh, Jared Walsh. You, you had some of these guys that kind of came in, and you know Brandon Belt, uh, and could have really helped yeah. you save your season if you, if you did draft one of those guys like a Mustakis. Well, Mustakis was second and third eligible coming into the year, so um, or like a Josh Bell. I'm pretty sure I dropped Josh Bell for for Jared Walsh uh, at one point. I think he was my main event. So 
it's it's just uh yeah i think it's just it's a little bit deeper of a position than maybe we give it credit for and i think that uh if the too early mocks are any indication there are going to be some nice buying opportunities uh later in drafts yeah i really think so too and um it's go it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun position this year i think because of like you said some some guys coming on board and actually uh and actually making the position a little bit better and then i think some of those guys that that struggled will bounce back mm-hmm. uh, so they'll be they'll be fun bets to make with some of those guys and uh and, and we'll see how it goes who is who is your number one is it bellinger or freeman or somebody else oh, i'm i'm bouncing back and forth on bellinger versus freeman and I think you have to kind of include T.J. LeMahieu kind of in this discussion a yeah. little bit, especially depending on your format. So we, we had a kind of discussion in the Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, staff chat um, because Greg Blankenship, who is addicted to drafting, uh, started another uh, draft champions league uh, draft, <laughs> and he took uh, T.J. LeMahieu in the second round. And... With it, I, I'm very big on on DJ LeMahieu, and I I don't actually have a problem with him in the second round either, especially in the format in a draft champions league. You really want positional flexibility because you have Bingo. no ability in season to pick up players. Who's on your yep. team? The 50 guys on your team or the 50 guys you're rolling with all year. So especially uh, in leagues like that where there isn't in season pickups, you know you want that flexibility. Right now. I have Bellinger as my number one. Mm-hmm. That's based on upside alone. You know. What do you mean? I just think the the the, the ceiling of Bellinger is greater than the ceiling of Freeman because of the stolen base potential. Yeah, I mean, well, what about the batting average for Freeman? Does that offset the potential steals for? Uh... I, Freeman has the safer floor, so it's really yeah. what you're looking for. Um, the nice thing about Freeman is you don't have to. I, I don't think you're going to have to pay as you know great of a price. Freeman is a guy that rarely gets the respect he deserves in drafts. Um, you know, I do have a concern about the elbow with Freeman. It has been a constant nagging thing, especially towards the end of seasons virtually every year and this is the first year it wasn't and was that because it was a shortened season um, yeah uh, yeah that's a fair that's a fair question so that's the one thing that keeps me from uh, he had a really bad bout of covid too but came back and yeah. it did not impact him that's the crazy no. thing he's gonna win an mvp having dealt deserving yeah super yeah, with deserved the- with a really rough bout, whereas some guys had their seasons kind of muted mm-hmm. by dealing with it, which I don't, you know, I fully understand. I'm not, uh, I'm not clowning them for it. It's like, it is crazy though, that he went through such a brutal case mm-hmm. and he ended up being fine. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get it. Let's get into it a little bit more here. Um, I think th- those are two superstars. They kind of out on their own little tier there, uh, both as first rounders in 15 team leagues. They were both firm first rounders in the, uh, in the two early mocks, they went 0.1 apart, 13.8 to 13.9. Wow. And I'm then surprised. you do jump down. Yeah. I am surprised that Freeman 
is kind of squarely in that first round in a 15 team league um if in fact um i mean he had a wider range than than bellinger uh because he went as late as 21 and free and bellinger never went later than 18 but his peak was higher someone yeah. took him someone took freeman six and the highest bellinger went was 10 bellinger kind of had a te- a tight 10 to 18 range there it's gonna be this kind of year though it's gonna be the kind of year where you're going to see a lot of people pop guys you wouldn't have necessarily thought of yep. in that top 10. Uh, I really don't think, I mean, there will be some sort of quote-unquote consensus as we start getting into March drafts of, you know, this is the top player and these are the top five. But I, I really believe, like, there is a very fluid kind of top 8 to 12. Yeah, I think even... You're you're right. It'll it'll settle a little bit, but even through mid March draft season, I think we're going to see things that will surprise us because people are going to make their own decisions. It's a sixty game season. I think that leaves it open to kind of saying, you know what, I'm going with my guy here because mm-hmm. there's nothing in a sixty game season that tells me that I shouldn't just stick with with who I believe in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, both of those guys are at the top there. Then you do get down. To DJ LeMayhew, um, and then that's going to be a group with LeMayhew, Abreu, Voight. I think you could. Um, I think Pete Alonso is in there. Then Vlad Jr., Olsen, and then Paul Goldschmidt, who had offseason elbow surgery. That's get taking you 35 through 80. So it's a little bit of a wide range there. But those are all guys that. Uh, that are pretty well regarded at the position. And we're not going to talk about every single person right now. Cause you know, we're gonna, these are just the first look previews of each position. We'll end up doing another one, you know, in, uh, in the winter where we really dive more in after the dust starts to settle. Mm-hmm. We already talked a little bit about LeMayhew. So I think, uh, Abreu, I mentioned he led at first base. He was the best first baseman there. There, there was this past year, huge season with the white Sox. What do you make of him? Because this is one of those things where it's like we talk about upside and we always relate it to younger players. Mm-hmm. A 33-year-old showed some upside by getting back to his early career days and even besting it. Uh, he had a career-high slug. Um, he got back to that rookie year batting average of 317, the most RBIs in baseball at 60, the most hits in the American League at 76. Abreu was a badass. But he's gonna be thirty four next year. So what do you what do you what do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a pretty safe bet for, you know, probably twenty eight homers and, you know, a, a three hundred batting average. And I just think he's super safe. And obviously, I think there's a little bit more upside there in terms of, you know, the power potential. He did just hit nineteen home runs in sixty games. Yeah. Insane, and I mean, if you you want to, you know, you could add in the twentieth in the postseason. So, uh, like, I think there's obviously some extra upside, and this is easily like the most potent offense he's been a part of. Um, Oh yeah, you know, with a lot of room for upside. So I think he's a guy that you, you know, you can pencil in a hundred RBIs, eighty, you know, to ninety runs, and a good batting average, like, I think he's just kind of the safest of safe in terms of the top, I don't know, 10 first basemen. He, Abreu really is, man. I mean, he has, 
I mean, quite literally never been bad. Even the mm-hmm. year where, where he was off a bit, 2018. He was hurt. Uh, he was hurt, exactly. And so I think it's pretty valid to use that as an excuse when you look at how things broke down. If you don't think that the injury played a role as to why he only had 22 homers and 78 ribbies with a 265 average, it's because he played 128 games. He missed time. I think it's perfectly valid to say, hey, injury was a big part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, if I get quote-unquote stuck with him, I'm not going to be upset at all. No. Uh, be perfectly happy there. He's the fourth guy. Now, would you take Voight or Alonzo over him? or would Because he's going we're, – we're, we're taking these in the order of their ADP. So that is the uh, – No, I'm, the, I'm taking Abreu over uh, all of those guys. And I think the, the discussion becomes would you take him over LeMahieu? And I think the f- positional flexibility of LeMahieu – kind of trumps a little bit. Yeah, uh, I agree on both points. And I love Voight, you know that. But I think he can he can be at or, or very near uh, Voight's power, and Abreu brings a better batting average to go with it. Yeah. And that's just, that's so key. And, you know, he's like, there is something to some guys being RBI machines. Mm-hmm. And obviously, team context matters, but he led... The American League with 123 back in 2019, and the White Sox offense was not popping off. Dude gets his runners in. Um, you know, Voight's going to be on a quality Yankees offense, to be sure. But I still like Abreu to just be a, a 100-plus in-the-bank uh, type of guy. So, yeah, I will take him fourth, but then I will have Voight fifth. Vlad Jr., you know, I, I if I were, like, separating these kind of in the tiers that I felt— Vlad Jr. would not be with this group here, but that's what his ADP is dictating. He's still going rather high. He's going what I would say is not a very nice 69th overall. Um, that's too high for me. Where do you come out on Vlad? He's now first base slash DH, so obviously you're going to play him at first base, but no longer third baseman. Played all 60 games, hit nine homers with a 262 average. You know, he's been above average each of his first two seasons. If you look at it, it's like, it's fine. And and the full season paces are 22.91 with a 2.69 average, 77 runs, and 670 plate appearances. How do you feel about the 22-year-old Vlad Jr. going into 2021? I mean, he's going to be 22. <laughs> like, he's so young. Yeah. Um I do think that a big season is coming down the line for Vlad. Unfortunately, I don't know when exactly it's coming. If it's next year, twenty two, <laughs> yeah, or twenty yeah, twenty three. I mean, it could. Yeah. He's so young. Like, That's the thing. It, like, it's gonna. Like, I do believe it's gonna happen. Like, I do believe there's gonna be, you know, a thirty plus home run season with a three hundred batting average. Um, I still feel like, I don't know, you know, the way he hits the ball, you, you wonder, could, could he ever have that, that like 330 average type of season? Mm-hmm. I do. I, I think that that is possible. I, I'm just not willing to pay for it right now. Yeah, me neither. And, you know, I paid I paid a little bit for it early, um, you know, kind of on, on the spec of him as a rookie, thinking that, you know, this is one of the better rookie profiles we've ever seen. And... You know, obviously he did not earn like what was it like third, fourth round uh, uh, draft slot that he was going when he hit 272 with 15 homers, 69 ribbies, 
and 52 runs in 2019, playing 123 games. But that also was not one of those ones where it's like, oh, my season was ruined because of Vlad Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't go that far with it either. Uh, I'm just surprised. You know, I'm. It's almost it almost runs counter to what we talk about about how, you know, if you if you're not a superstar immediately, the fantasy community abandons you. He has again. He hasn't been bad. He's been plus each each of the first two years as far as you know OPS plus WRC plus, but he hasn't been so standout that I guess that's what surprises me that he's still maintaining a top seventy pick for Vlad Jr. I feel like. He'd be closer to the 100 range, mm-hmm. and so I guess I'm just surprised that. But you you hit on it immediately. He's gonna be 22 next year, and yeah. that's what keeps people coming back. And I mean the the exit velocity was top seven percent of the league. Hard hit percentage top seven percent of the league. He just has to change that launch angle, and I think we're gonna see the balls start flying for him. Um, yeah, I mean, and, that's... And so, like, I think there there are reasons to bet on it. I just don't know that... What, what's his ADP? 69. Oh, nice. nice. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's such a huge price to pay. I agree. And that that's what, you know, again, it, it's, it surprised me when I saw it. I was like, whoa, okay. Um... I, I, I can't pay it. I, mm-hmm. I can't. And maybe I probably couldn't pay it even if he had third base eligibility. Um, but with Matty O, Matty o going right after him as far as uh, first baseman go, There's I, I can't too many pay. guys behind him that I just like as much um, or or a little bit more. Yeah, all of the next five for me, Matty O, Paul Goldschmidt, Dom Smith, Max Muncy, Anthony Rizzo, like all of them. Yeah. I, I would rather have, especially cheaper. Yeah, he uh, should probably, be going I, in the 150 area. That would make a lot more sense. You think he should be all the way down at 150? I think so. Shouldn't he be in the Eric Hosmer, Josh Bell, Reese Hoskins? I mean, maybe you put him like above that tier. Yeah, I'd put him more in like the early 100s. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess with them we're just talking like 20. 20, picks maybe, different. maybe it's 120 like that's the spot he should be going yeah instead 69 yeah surprising uh nice. matt olson had a, yeah not nice though i'm not because i'm not paying that matt olson had a weird season uh you know the power was there that that was all in line with what you want but the babbit was so painfully low that he wound up with a 195 average are you concerned that he's going to be in a batting average sinkhole, or do you see this as a, more of an anomaly? I mean, sinkhole, no. I don't think I th- think he's going to be a sinkhole, but, like, I do think that, like, 245, 250, something like that is probably where he's going to be. And there That's are fine. some concerning That's... things with, like, the swing and strike rate. Uh, rising with strikeout rate rising, like like there's just so much swing and miss uh, that we saw this year that I'm I'm a bit concerned. I mean, I still like him a lot. I I still think he's going a bit early. Yeah, I mean, I get it when you hit sub 200, um, and and again with some of the guys that are going after him. I remain a pretty big Matty O fan, though, 
And so I, I don't think this 195 is indicative of who he is. Yes, the swinging strike rate went up uh, to 13 plus, 13 and a half. And so and that is up from the 11% that he lived at the last two years. What I do like, though, is he was not chasing a whole bunch. O-swing actually came down mm-hmm. from 29 to 24%. Uh, that said, that means that he's swinging and missing in the zone. And you wonder if maybe that's a bit of, of a concern on its own. It is. I mean, the thing um, about like his, like his O-swing was higher last year, but I mean, his O-contact was considerably higher last year. Yeah, he went from uh, very nice 69% to 55%. Mm-hmm. So the ones that he was chasing out of the zone, he couldn't do anything with. Uh, Matt also was not getting to any of those. And so that is, that's a great call out there that it, it wasn't just uh, O swings one thing to look at, but then O contact. So I wonder if he was, again, I wonder if he was chasing worse pitches or just couldn't get to them. What, what, what was going on there? I wonder if he was just being a bit passive early in the count. And yeah. I don't know. I really feel like a full season, and maybe it's just because I, I, I'm a fan of the player. But I, I feel like in a full season, he would have he would have uh, worked his way through this. The 227 BABIP would have started to get back closer to career norms, which is 277, and, and even higher, really, if you consider what he had coming into this year. Um, he had a 285 coming into this year. I'm sticking with Matt Olson. I will pay this price um, of. A 74 ADP, ideally, I'll get closer to the high 80s, which is where his max was, 89, 85, 81. He had three three of his picks were in the 80s, um, but he went as low as 63, which eh, at that point, maybe not. So I, I do like Matt Olson, though. What about uh, this offseason elbow surgery that, uh, that Paul Goldschmidt had? Let's see. Let me see if I get some more details here. Sidelined a bit. Back in spring by an elbow issue, never caused him his time, and then he went ahead and got taken care of here uh, early in the off season. Expected to have a relatively normal off season. Though. Yeah, it's just putting... burns, bone spurs kind of removed from the elbow. So like, I'm not overly concerned with that. Um, you know, the the power dip this year is probably my biggest concern with Goldschmidt. Uh, you know, I mean, he hit a 304, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was walking quite a bit. You think it's related? Maybe I th- I the think elbow so. being cleaned up is, yeah. is now like, oh, hey, I can get back on track with the uh, with the pop. You almost kind of wonder if, remember when Marcus Simeon, um, you know, was, uh, you know, had that early season stretch where he was just walking at an insane rate that we had never yeah. seen him walk before. He wasn't striking out at all. And it was because he was dealing with some sort of injury. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm going to go up there looking for a walk. And so I think he, you know, I mean, I think he was much more passive this year and kind of just waited for his pitches and then, you know, got on base when he, you know, either through the walk or through uh, waiting for the perfect pitch. Yeah, swing percentage was down uh, 6%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not overly concerned as long as we don't get any bad uh, health uh question marks i think this is a pretty decent price for him and i I would take him over matt olson yeah i i don't know that i would be too worried about doing that i agree he'll be 33 next year but he's he's about as steady as they come even last year's down year and i put that in extreme quotes came with 34 homers 97 runs and ribbies the 260 average held him back 
But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there on Paul Goldschmidt. And I do think that unless we get something about complications due to the elbow, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put too much uh, too much concern in him getting that elbow cleaned up. I'll be interested uh, to see what... I mean, Matt Olson and Paul Goldschmidt are both in interesting team construct kind of situations right now. Yeah. From a really major are. league perspective. Because you got to... I mean, with the Cardinals cutting... Uh, or non-tendering Wong, you have to think they're going to be a very cheap team uh, this offseason. Uh, and the A's are always a very cheap team in the offseason. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Cardinals, though, like they're, they're perennial contenders. Are they going to be cheap, or are they just saying that he's not worth it because premier defense is not, you know... The, with Tommy Edmond there, if defense is all you're getting... Can't you just get it from Tommy Edmond at league minimum? Tommy Edmond cannot play every position, though. Yeah, I know, but he can play second <laughs> base, and he can cover that, that Colton Wong situation, and then you then go get somebody else. I mean, uh, I, I guess. I, I don't know. It just seemed like $12.5 million is just not a price that should have bothered a team like the Cardinals. Eh, you would think. You would think. But... Uh, I, again, I think this is going to be a wild offseason mm-hmm. as far as moves like that and teams playing cheap, uh, cheaper than ever because of oh, yeah. because of COVID and how everything played out. They're going to start uh, not taking on deals that we would have thought like, wow, you you really can't pay that for for this guy here. So it's the going A's to be... are an interesting one because I mean I understand that they lost all their gate fees, but it's not like they were getting a lot of fans in the stands anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, do them and the Rays even really notice losing yeah. gate fees? No, I mean the the Rays actually profited. <laughs> <laughs> they're like now now they're they they're, call all that playoff money. That's more than they would have made in the regular season, anyways. Yeah, and the rest of the league knows knows how it feels to mm-hmm. not uh, to to get some Rays like attendance this year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, easy jokes are easy. Let's move on to the next group here: Dom Smith, Max Muncie, Anthony Rizzo. These are the last three guys that. Uh, kind of creep into the top 100 their adps are right there they're all 101 point something 101.6.7.8 in that order there dom smith max muncie anthony rizzo they're clustered together who's your favorite of the group i mean muncie's still my favorite yeah Um, me too we're big on him coming into this year yeah and I, i know it was a brutal average but i mean he definitely was one of those guys that just got babbit to death I mean, 203 BABIP uh, on a guy that, you know, is a career 266 uh, BABIP guy. Uh, I, I think that um, he's going he's gonna to bounce back in a big way. And I think we started to see it a little bit uh, in the playoffs where he hit three home runs uh, and, and hit 250. I think that's, you know, the kind of guy he is. He's going to hit, you know, 27, 28, 30 home runs, something like that, hit you 250, but be able to play in three different spots, which is extremely valuable. And as much as I like Matt Olson, I would just take Max Muncie instead at the cheaper price. Like that's the thing. They're just not different enough. And I get two extra positions of eligibility for my 30 pick difference. Uh, Yeah. I love Matt Olson. I just can't take him. It has to be Max Muncie there. I really did like the Dom Smith breakout though. Really impressed with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he kind of, he started it last year. Under the radar a bit, if you if you missed it, uh, he was playing as a part timer. 197 plate appearances with 11 homers, 
and an 881 OPS. And then this year he gets 199 plate appearances, basically the same output, but but as a more or less full-time starter, 50 of the 60 games with 10 homers and a 993 OPS. Remember, he was a big-time prospect. Uh, through his first two samples in 17 and 18, it was looking like, well, this guy sucks. And that's why, you know, the the, the thresholds that, that, like, projection systems talk about is, like, 900 to 1,000 plate appearances before you can really start to judge a guy. He had 728 after this year. So he was still in that zone of, like, we don't know yet what we have with, with Dom Smith, and, uh, and and he's already starting to turn it around here. Do you believe in Dom Smith? I do, to an extent. Um, you know, th- these have been two small samples, but, uh, I mean, they're close to identical. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're talking two-plate appearance field, difference, you know, and, I mean, you know, pretty much... Uh, like the same output, you know, low strikeout guy uh, that, you know, walks just enough to, uh, you know, have some added value in, in on-base percentage formats. The question is, do we think that this is, is 2021 the year he is a full-time guy? And I would, uh, well, okay. Let's get this out of the way so we don't have to caveat it every dang mm-hmm. episode. If there's DH, DH is not on the table yet. <laughs> it's it's gonna be. Table yet. It's gonna be. So let's. It's gonna be let's, part of. Let's trading. move with assume. I think so because I think when they're when they're negotiating over mm-hmm. and, and Ben Clemens brought this up on a live stream we were on. I completely agreed with him. He thinks it's gonna be a big part of the horse trading when it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we want expanded playoffs. Okay, we yeah. want DH. Boom. That's where they're going to start working together. So I'm going to operate under that assumption. Even if not, though, I think Dom Smith plays a lot of left field. Yeah. I think especially because they have two guys in Jimenez and uh, McNeil that can play in a lot of different spots. Like, Mm -hmm. he's going to find his way into the lineup close to every day. So maybe I won't project him for like 150 games played but like i'm projecting him for 130 140 uh and i I think he's gonna i think he's like i think we're looking at a guy who can hit 280 you know somewhere between 280 and 290 with 25 to 30 home runs potentially I'm gonna I'm gonna say 25 and just rule on the side of caution. I think that's fair. So I mean I think, I think he could be Jose Abreu light. That's a good comp too. I like that a lot. And if they do get a DH, then then I do think it's closer to the 145, 150 games played. Um, and since we are assuming generally that that's where we're gonna be, I like Dom Smith. Uh, what about Rizzo? He's you know a bit older. Um, I feel like people, I think there's like kind of a a cloud over the Cubs where all their players are kind of just like, especially after this year, like Baez was terrible. Bryant was terrible. Rizzo was pretty blah at hitting 222 with 11 homers. He'll be 31 next year. Should he not be? I mean, I guess, you know, he hit 222 this year, but I feel like he should probably be pretty close. With a 218 Babbitt. Yeah, I feel like he should be pretty close to Goldschmidt, and he's, you know, 20 plus picks away. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, the three steals in 58 games, you know, shows that he's still going to chip in, you know, five to eight steals in a full season. Um, And I I do think the average bounces back, uh, you know, kind of to where, where it kind of has been, which is, you know, somewhere between 270 and 290, you know, depending on uh, his BABIP luck that season. Uh, I think at this price, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm definitely open to taking him. I like this whole trio here, Dom Smith, Max Muncy, Anthony Rizzo. Here's the last like group of starters. Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer, Josh Bell, and Reese Hoskins. Um, let's just take them in order. What do you think of Mike Moustakis? He wasn't great. I mentioned he finished like 47th on the player Raider. How do you feel about Mike Moustakis for 21? I th- I think I'm willing to kind of give him a pass on 2020. Uh, you know, it's uh, a new team. He's bounced around a lot of different teams. There was uh, that weird COVID scare. Uh, and then he was, you know, fighting off injuries uh, throughout the year. I think he's going to bounce back and, and be fine and kind of be the player we've seen in 2018 and 2019, which is around a 30 home run player, uh, you know, that hits 250. He's going to be eligible, I think, at second and first this year, which is uh, nice. So, I, yeah, I like Mike Mistock. He's actually been trying to trade for him, actually him and Dom Smith uh, in the same league. So uh, I, 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 I like Moose a lot. Yeah, I think Moose will be a bit under uh, under the radar there and, and not necessarily get the due that he deserves. I don't think he'll maintain third base eligibility, right? Because no, he was no. kind of like uh, Muncie-esque he, where he had he didn't, the triple eligibility. He only played there twice. Yeah, he so was, he no was second and third second and third coming into the season. Now it would be just be first and second. So, okay, so which a is, little bit know, of a trade fine. out there. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I, got, I got no problems with that um, as far as Mike Moustakis goes. And I'm with you as far as a buyback there. Pick 142, uh, anywhere in that range. He did have a high range uh, with a 108 being as high, but that was a clear outlier. Nobody else took him higher than 136. So I think he's more in the uh, in the 130 to 160 range. I think that's where Mustakas is going to live, as far as uh, as far as his pick range coming into this year. Eric Hosmer, hey, it only took like what 50 years for him to start realizing that hey, maybe look. Good idea. It did pay some dividends, though, and uh, credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. Um, never been a huge fan, mainly because of just the paltry power outputs. But he had a career best 231 ISO with nine homers, 36 ribbies, four, uh, 23 runs, four steals as well, four for four on the bases. What do you think of Hosmer going into next year? I think that Hosmer, I think this is like going to be what Hosmer is. Um, and I, I think it's pretty easy to go back and look at what he did uh, a little bit in his early career. And I think 25 to 30 home runs with maybe, I'm going to say double digit stolen bases. Okay. And, and a good wow. average. Because, I mean, the, the Padres are running. Like, I was gonna say, I, I knew you'd bring that up because they they like to run, so mm-hmm. they're gonna let let him go among everybody else too, huh? Yeah, and I and I think he, yeah, I think he will. I mean, he stole four bases in thirty eight games this year. I mean, that's yeah, that's really nice. He went out with like a gastrointestinal issue, and then he um, broke his finger. Yeah, 
Way to go, dummy. So, yeah, never bunt. Um, so, yeah, I... This seems so weird to say. Uh, I actually really like Hosmer, and I like the price. Uh, and he's surprisingly only 31 years old, in spite of the fact he's already played like 10 years. Yeah, in been the around league. for a minute. Yeah. Broken at age 21. He's been mm-hmm. playing full seasons ever since. Um, I do have to add one in. I didn't realize his teammate, the guy who filled in when he had that gastrointestinal issue, Jake Cronenworth, is going to have first base eligibility mm. as well. And he's getting picked right around the same range. Yeah, he played uh, He played 10 games there. So leagues should be adjusting. And when you scale, that should mm-hmm. absolutely be enough to, to get Jake Cronenworth in there. And he's going around pick 141. How do you feel about teammate Jake Cronenworth going with Hosmer in that same area? And before before I uh, talk about Cronenworth, this is something that I think if you play in home leagues, uh, and you know I know a lot of people do, make sure you are paying close attention to what your league decides. Because yes. I'm already in three different leagues, um, or have drafted three different leagues, or uh, in dynasty leagues that uh, have three different rules in terms wow. of what they're going with and so i've got a league where it's uh an nfbc league where it's seven uh a home league that's eight and another another league that i'm in that is 10 so make sure you're play, paying close attention because some guys will uh you know be eligible in some leagues and then not eligible in others so and be proactive maybe mm-hmm. maybe put it on the message board now let's get it figured out let's make sure everyone's on the same page and say, you know, should we just scale to the 60 games? Uh, if we normally did X, do whatever that that calculation is to scale for 60 games. But make sure that it's situated and that uh, there's no shenanigans either. Mm-hmm. You don't want somebody kind of changing it last second to benefit them or anything like that. Uh, uh, okay. So, yeah, Cronenworth. What do you think? I mean, isn't he Max Muncy light with a little bit... Of speed. I mean, I think he's a guy that. Well, I guess no. Max Muncy's a bad, bad call. I I was looking at kind of his his contact rates, and those I, look a lot like Max Muncy's. So. I think he's Ben Zobrist, uh, the next Ben Zobrist. I really do. Yeah, I think Late he's like a breakout. fifteen fifteen guy that's multiple uh, positional eligible. I just don't know where that batting average falls, um, and I. think... I want. I'm gonna be conservative and say like 260. Really? I, yeah. See, I, I that's what I like though is the batting average. I think that can be that can be pretty high. He doesn't strike out, takes his walks, has an idea of what's going on up there. Had just a six percent swinging strike rate. That's really mm-hmm. strong. Um, you know, had that big breakout at AAA with the with the rabbit ball, admittedly, but. Um, 334 average in that time and even before that though when when maybe his batting averages weren't nearly as high he doesn't strike out a lot though Cronenworth doesn't and so you know he doesn't switch hit uh, that's where the that's where the Zobris comp breaks mm-hmm. down a bit but as far as like a late career breakout that I think you can believe in with the multiple position eligibility power and speed that's where I get mm-hmm. to the uh that's where I get to the Ben Zobris 2.0 I'm a huge fan and I'm definitely taking him next year yeah I mean you look at his stat cast numbers and you, you start getting real excited. Yep. That's what I really like. You know, I mean, if, if you start believing those stat cast numbers, you start going, well, maybe he's a 15-15 guy with a 300 batting average. His X batting average was uh, 324. Um, 
And so you almost wonder if he could have brought up the average this year. And yeah, I think he's going to have a role. I mean, unless oh, for sure. unless the Padres go on a shopping spree, like he's going to have a role in the team. I, like I don't know team. why they would find a way to block him, though. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think Cronenworth, they have other needs. Yeah, and, you know, what would they go do? Get uh, DJ LeMahieu? Okay, but even if they did, then you can put... You can put Cronenworth in the outfield. You can put him in mm-hmm. left. Um, you know, I, I think that, well, wait, is Tommy Pham still under contract or is he a free agent? I don't know. Either way, I, I think they should just stick with what they've got there with Cronenworth at second base and being the uh, the, the full-time second baseman. I, I'm a big fan, though. You know, he was, he was the underrated part of this trade. Nobody really gave it any mind about uh, what Cronenworth could deliver, and he was he was awesome. And I, I really buy, buy in to what he was able to do, even in a 192 plate appearance sample. Yeah, Fam's in his last year of arbitration and be a free agent next okay. year, or in 2022. Okay. So I don't even know, you know, I don't know that they have any real free agents uh, that they... I that think they... Moreland is the only guy that, you know, they're really looking at. Uh, hitting free agency. And they have first base covered. And, and so, you know. He has a really cheap option. Like, it's a $3 million option. And I know they said, like, they need to know what the DH situation is going to be. I was going to say, I wonder if they'll wait till that. Yeah. But maybe you just keep him no matter what, though. $3 at that, million. At that like, even if he's a bench bat, like, that's that's a really good price for a guy like yeah. Mitch Moreland who's coming off of a, a, a big season himself. And who absolutely crushes uh, mm-hmm. righties. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I think that, that they're going to be pretty well set up there. You know, Profar, who would maybe threaten Cronenworth at, at second, is a free agent. You know, after he's oh, been around okay. for so long, um, he is finally hitting free agency. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But, yeah, I think they should stick with him, play him. And, that's, uh, I, I mean, that's Cronenworth. actually really good news for Cronenworth that Profar is a free agent because they can just put him every day at second base. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm so. saying, and I, I like that. Um, all right, Josh Bell. You mentioned that uh, you cut him at one point in a league, mm-hmm. and I don't really think that that's inappropriate. Uh, no. I believe he made he my was killing me. Yeah, he made my cuts. My cuts uh, article at one point of like, hey, these are you know some guys that you would not expect to necessarily cut that I think you should consider, and I put him in there. Because he was playing horribly after that big breakout year. Mm-hmm. I, sure, some people were projecting regression. I don't think anybody thought that he would be unusable, but he damn near was. Two twenty one, aver- uh, two twenty six average, eight homers, twenty two runs and ribbies on an ugly Pirates team. But what do you make of Josh Bell on on the on the bounce back? You think you think he can bounce back, uh, or, or rather, do you think he does? I think we know that he can, but it's a matter of if he does and if you want to pay a pick one fifty three for it. I definitely think he he bounces back. The question is, do the Pirates non-tender him? Oh my goodness. They could. He, he made he slated to make what do you make this year? He made 6 mil this year, so he's probably going to make closer to 9. Like I think he could easily, If they did, that'd be disgusting. I I mean, like this totally feels like a CJ Cron type. Based on 57 games. Uh-huh. Oh my god. The Pirates seem totally seem like the team to do this. He's not in their long-term plans. He is a free agent in uh, 2022. Um, and so, well, after 22. Or a- after 22, that's right. So, so he's got two more years. 
Yeah. Uh, I still think they could non-tender him, uh, which that would like would be the be best so thing for him in terms of his fantasy value. Well, yeah, to getting get out, out of there, getting out of Pittsburgh. Uh, get... I say you trade him more than that, though. I don't think teams are going to want to trade for him. I don't know. I mean, I think I, I would. So, I mean, I th- I... I think if you're a team like um, like who's a team, a team like Milwaukee. Um, yeah, you know, they, they had a rotating door at first base. A team Bunch like the Royals. Uh, hey, don't speak ill of Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> and McBroom. Um, yeah, the, the, the Ryans that they've mm-hmm. got. Well, uh, by the way, MLB Trade Rumors estimation only has them at 7.2 mil. Um, short season plus per, poor performance, I think, mm-hmm. keeps him from getting a, a big boost um, in the ARB there for Josh Bell. So, you know... That'd be crazy if they did that. I guess, I you know, it wouldn't be so out of bounds for a team like Pittsburgh, I guess. But, man, considering what he did in 19 on a full season, to make that decision based on 57 games, mm-hmm. oof, I think that'd be really bad. But I'm not saying that they won't do it. I'm just saying I don't. I don't think that they should at all. I don't even think they should consider it personally. Yeah. I think he will bounce back, though, from, you know, if we're just – if we go back to the analysis, like I – I, I know he was he was brutal. It got better as, uh, you know, as the season kind of went on. Uh, you know, he had that really big hot stretch and uh, kind of towards the end of the season too. Yeah, uh, I, you know, what the, what the hell happened though? Like, why was he so bad? I mean, the strikeouts. I mean, he he went from a guy that just didn't strike out uh, to a guy that. Uh, I mean, I think he struck out like twenty six, twenty seven percent of the time. Was it? Was there any plate approach? Was he selling out for power? Did he get drunk on his nineteen? I'm trying to figure out what happened with Josh Bell, and I didn't have him on any teams, thankfully. So I did. Well, no, kind of went the other way. He had a fifty six percent ground ball rate. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get to the power, and he was swinging and missing, like you said, with the big strikeout boost up from nineteen to twenty seven percent, with a corresponding uh, swinging strike rate boost as well. Yeah, it was just pretty ugly because he can't really go Babbitt. It was two seventy three, but he had a two eighty eight in the big year last year. He's never he's a two eighty nine career, so he can't he certainly can't go Babbitt, Babbitt, Babbitt. I'm gonna have to. This is gonna need a deeper dive. I'm gonna need to go and look at like, did he change his swing path? Um, because there's, I mean, yeah, the the fly ball ground ball, uh, change is drastic. That's massive. Uh, and his launch angle went down from about 13 to 6. And, you know, like, I can't imagine someone on the Pirates told him, hey, st- start hitting the ball lower. Like, No, so- no, I think this would be an issue that happened to him more than a, a, yeah. a decision. And, you know, one of the issues coming into... 19 for Bell was that he was on the ground too much mm-hmm. and he'd had a couple seasons at above a 50% ground ball rate, but this was stark at 56. So I, I wonder if it was just regression plus uh, for him, but I, I agree that betting on a, a, a rebound isn't a bad idea. Um, I wonder but if there's the an injury. Like it... that, that's, I was going to speculate on that. Is the price cheap enough though? 153. Now I want to be clear huge range yeah someone took him up at 95 and he lasted to 203 in another league yeah i 
I think when we start talking about, I, I think this is a fair price for him. And I think as you're going to be in drafts where he goes considerably lower than 150. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm going to start grabbing him uh, and putting him on teams quite a bit. The, the hard part with Bell, though, too, is there are guys that are, like, way below him that I kind of like. <laughs> Dude, that, that's, that's why I probably won't end up with him mm-hmm. because I need him to be cheaper to take this to take this bet. And uh, like you said, the, the next group that we're going to get like, to of corners. There's, there's uh, a lot of first basemen that are interesting. Yeah. Yep, the the position has changed. Like you said, it's thickened mm-hmm. up a bit. Uh, Reese Hoskins. Before we get into that group of corners, there we're not going to talk about all those because that's a group of like eight or nine. But Reese Hoskins, for me, and this is maybe just when you don't have guys on teams, those teams kind of get pushed aside. I mentioned this with the Cubs. I knew what was going on with them and how Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo were kind of ranging from mad to awful with Baez. Um, Phillies were the same way for me. I didn't really have any of their guys. And so they were kind of off to the side of like, eh, they're just kind of doing their thing over there. I knew that Harper was killing it. Real Muto was really good. Hoskins had a damn fine season though. Hit 10 homers, 245, 384, 503. Where, where do we, where do we stand with him? Because there were big expectations for him going into 19 and he hit just 29 homers. And I say just because, People were really putting him as like, this is one of the guys who could lead the league. Uh, an upside is like 45 homers, this, that, and the other. And it didn't come to fruition. And I think he found he found the limit of home of, of fly balls, I should say, um, to where you can actually be in the air too much, mm-hmm. selling out for the, the Ryan Chip effect. Yes, exactly. And maybe it's something with Ryan's, um, where where they just they, they just don't know when when is too much with the fly balls. That didn't change this year. He stayed at 52%, but the results were a bit better. And I wonder, are we still just going to be like, hey, it's going to be an okay batting average. 245 is not that bad these days, by the way, folks. 245 uh, with the right power output, you should be perfectly fine with that. Plus the big OBP keeps him scoring runs. He scored 35 on the Phillies. Is, is Hoskins who he is, kind of an is-what-it-is sort of guy, or is there actually more here to where he could have that breakthrough and, and push 40-plus homers? Well, the question is going to be on the health. Like that, you know, because he did have the elbow surgery um, okay. that originally was reported to be a uh, uh, Tommy John surgery, but it, it was not Tommy John. It was, it was something else, so... Um, and it's on his his left elbow. So the feet elbow. You know, he's he's supposed to miss four to six months after the surgery. So that puts him, Whoa. you know, somewhere between February and April where he's going to start ramping up. So I think, I mean, it really, like, this is one of those guys that I think in drafts is going to get pushed down quite a bit early. Um. I like the price already, and I think he's gonna, uh, like I said, in these early drafts, be pushed down even more. And so, in NSBC leagues, it's hard to roster a guy that might start the year on the IL. But I think mm-hmm. this is one that I'd be willing to do. I mean, if you go over and look at his Statcast uh, data, it's you know barrel percentage, ninety third percentile of the league, hits the ball hard, uh, 
I think there's a lot to really like here. And he had a brutal start to the season. Um, and uh, But a lot of it was just getting unlucky. Uh, and then he really turned it on. And so from uh, August 18th on, he hit 265, uh, 368, 622 with 10 home runs. Uh, so And that's 114 plate appearances. I, I think mm-hmm. if he's healthy coming in the year... I think there's a 40 home run season coming. Okay, so you still believe that that it's that it's possibly there, and you know I was I was looking for it, like I said, coming into 19, and then uh, and then there's just like too many fly balls. I think there could be some tweaks there though that 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 could mm-hmm. get him there, and that would be that'd be awesome. That that would be absolutely awesome if Hoskins can do that. He, like you said, he's I think one he of those guys that just needs to actually like one of the few guys just needs to lower. <laughs> the launch angle a bit. Yeah, just calm it down a little bit. His you launch have enough angle, natural power, twenty-five. Twenty. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's and it's been, it's been big his entire career. You know, from eighteen to twenty-two and a half to twenty-four to twenty-five this last year. I think he's just a small tweak away from being a guy that, if he could put it at seventeen, eighteen, he'd stop doing. The you know the infield fly balls so much because I mean that's yeah. one of the things that kills him is he's got an eighteen percent infield fly ball percentage. Those are automatic outs. Those might yeah. as well be strikeouts. Um, he's, and they're going to he's got up that the average. same infield fly ball percentage as his home run to fly ball. Yep, and and that again, Hoskins is showing that you can have too many fly balls. Mm-hmm. He currently does, but if he can tweak it a little bit. That could be nice, and I agree with you that we could see the the ADP go down mm-hmm. as people start to. I I didn't even know that he was out four to six. Yeah, uh, four to six for the off season, but that means he's not going to have a normal off season. I think that'll start to push his ADP down, and then that's where you and I jump in. So yeah. I, I I agree with you there. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next group here, and I just clustered this as like a group of corners. Um, some of these other guys that we've already talked about can be corners as well, but these guys are going to firmly be in that CI range there. Christian Walker ran out of Nunez, Carlos Santana, who's a free agent, by the way, Hunter Dozier, Trey Mancini, of course, dealing with the cancer. We don't know what his status is, but this is the ADP that he went in. Jared Walsh, Jeremy Candelario, Ryan McMahon, Jesus Aguilar, Rowdy Telez, Brandon Belt, and Wilmer Flores. Um, let's just start with a couple of your favorites. Who, who's your top dog out of here? Oh, well, I mean... Wilmer Flores at the price, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. Um, so it kind of depends so where he ends up. Uh, but he's going to be second base and first base eligible. And I'm assuming in Yahoo leagues, he'll he'll be third base eligible as well. And, and catcher because he stood by home plate. Yes, yeah. So. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and pitcher because he threw, Actually, threw a ball. Um, no, he should still be a giant. Yes, he will be a pitcher, too. Uh, at, at $3 million. Oh, that's right. Oh, and they've got a club option for 2022. Okay, so... Yeah, three and a half, yeah. So uh, he's going to play. as a giant. Yeah, he's. I think he's going to play. Uh, I think he's going to play a fair amount. Now, obviously, I think the park factors may change again in San Francisco, uh, depending on whether... Well, depending on what the COVID situation is and whether or yeah. not they're able to have fans and... Can you keep... said San Francisco really weirdly there. I, I don't want to skip over that. You said San Did Francisco. 
Yeah, you put the you put an emph- an up emphasis on mm. co. It's really weird. Uh, tweet that, me if you that's heard how, it. That's how we say it out there. Oh, okay. It's okay. not, and Austin. I'm not actually from out here. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, but yeah, and this is another one where the DH situation plays a big role for Wilmer Flores because I do think that that would help solidify his playing mm-hmm. playing time. But you're talking about the uh, uh, park factors. Go go in on that because that that's a huge factor. And you're like, wait a minute, the, why would the fans matter? Explain to us why, if COVID does actually round a corner and we and we get back to normalcy and there are fans, mm-hmm. that that could turn the park back to what it was beforehand. So. In season, when there are fans in right field, there is this little gate that they have open that you can actually, without buying a ticket, you're just walking around. You can actually stand there and watch the game through the gate. It's like a knot hole, mm-hmm. like an old school knot hole in a, it's in a fence so there that cool. you can peek through. Yeah, it's actually like you know, as a smoker, like it's like one, <laughs> there you, you, have, you have to leave the stadium to go smoke. Um, I just walk down there and I'm able to smoke and watch the game. Uh, and so uh, that was closed this year because they didn't want people congregating. Uh, and that actually had a positive effect in terms of uh, offense on the stadium because it allowed uh, it didn't you didn't have winds forcing balls back in from that direction. Uh, now, so I, I can't confirm this, but I heard Brandon Belt and Alex Dickerson, have been advocating to keep COVID going. So that, no, I'm just kidding. It's not a good joke. It's stupid. Obviously, COVID's mm-hmm. horrible. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm just pointing out that they obviously, Belt finally kind of had a little bit of a power yep. surge. Um, and it was due to the fact that he could hit at home finally. Mm-hmm. So and that is you add a in, big deal. You add in the fact that they moved the bullpens to the outfield, which took away some of the uh, the depth out there. Uh, and it went from being one of the worst hitters parks in all of baseball to one of the best. A legitimately positive mm-hmm. one, and it was very weird. Took a while for folks to get onto that. I think it, I think I learned about the 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 fan thing and all that from Eno. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he wrote about it, and I was like, whoa, damn, because I was like, how is how's Belt hitting for power? And he was on every waiver wire. Like even in deeper leagues, nobody wanted Belt because it was, you know, it was the same old boringness. But then he's popping seven homers at home with a twelve forty six OPS, and it's like, whoa, okay. So it's really hard to analyze some of these guys now. Flores is a righty; he should, you know, it it won't change him that mm-hmm. much. Um, but he quietly had a really good season as well. In fact, we can. We can loop Belt in since they're both on the same team, but Flores hit 268, 315, 515 with 12 home runs. Yeah, that you know that's like a bar bet kind of winner. If you had said like, well, how many home runs did he have? You know, you owe me, you owe me he, this many beers if you don't get he within was five. Really, really good. And it was really good. He didn't have he didn't have 12 either of the last two years when he had 89 and 126 mm-hmm. games respectively. And he. Uh, he played pretty much every day. Like he, he played five games. games. So, uh, and uh, with him coming back to the Giants, like there's no reason for them not to just let him go back out there every day. So you might have already looked this up, but how, how old is he? He's 29, I believe. Dude, I guarantee that if any of the fans that guessed, mm-hmm. most of them were wrong and said something that started with a three. Yeah. Well, you have to remember, like he was super young when that stuff with the Mets happened. Yeah. Um, and when he came up, super, super young. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think he's a guy that could potentially be 
a 30 home run hitter uh, in San Francisco. And we're talking about him. I mean, I think the ADP will come up as people kind of catch up to kind of what he did. Uh, yeah, I think he's see where just Wilmer a little was at. Yeah. overlooked. But we're talking about a guy whose ADP right now is 274. Wow. And, and that's buoyed by somebody taking him at 201. Was that you? It was not me. Because <laughs> um, he went 201, he went 204. He 348 in my draft. <laughs> yeah. He just was completely out. forgotten about at the back end there, there's one, two, three, four, four of the two early mocks where he went, uh, Wilmer Flores went somewhere that starts with a three. Another one where he went 279. He did have those two where he was at mm-hmm. the high 200s, 201, 204. But even that is not particularly expensive nope. for Wilmer Flores. So I see why, based on price, he's your favorite of this group here. Um, is everything going to depend on the fans or no fan situation as to whether or not you would take belt no. or you oh, not take belt no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a huge thing for belt. Like I, uh, for Flores, I think uh, I, like you said, I mean, he's right-handed, so he, he's not going to, uh, to right field quite as much. And he's a pretty like pull, uh, pull, pull happy guy. So yeah, I'm not for Flores. I don't think it affects him very much uh, with belt. I think it affects him a lot. Um, now I think that San Francisco just being kind of the city that it is in terms of its politics, like, I think it's very unlikely we see fans in the stands before midsummer at the earliest. I I think that's, I think that's fair. And so, you know, we'll kind of, uh, we'd all love to go back to to normal, but I think you really need a wake up call if you think we're just going to happen to snap our fingers and, and get the, the calendar changing does not inherently yeah you know make things different as far as uh as far as what we're dealing with next year and and so i think we're going to see something pretty similar we might play more than 60 games but it's not going to be a ton more and uh, those lack of fans in san francisco could certainly help that How ballpark many games yet again. do you think we actually get next year i think closer to like 100 okay I think somewhere in the 90 to, to 100 range uh, is what we end up getting. Because I think they're going to want to, you know, don't, uh, we're not necessarily starting in, in July again, but I think that way they can space it out a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And if there are issues, yeah, you I know, because there will starting, be outbreaks again. Yeah, I think we're probably starting in late May, early yeah. June. And I think, yeah, I think 100 to 120 is probably what we get. I think that that makes that makes some sense there. So obviously we'll see how things go in the winter and all that. There's still a lot up in the air, and we'll talk about it as 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 it comes up and relates to baseball. Um, who else do you like here? Who's who's another one that that stands out to you? Or do you want me to give one? Um, would, I'll give you another. Like Renato yeah. Nunez gets no respect. That's your boy, and I, you know we. I think we've both had periods where we've been interested. You were most recently touting him, though, so I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I've been touting him since he was, like, an, an A-ball. A. <laughs> like, yeah. For the yeah, A's, I liked, yeah. I liked him with the A's partly because, you know, I, I kind of trust what they do, and I, I thought he could be somebody. He popped 31 homers back in 19, mm-hmm. pu- put up another 12 this year. He he kind of backed what he did and and showed that it was pretty legit. So uh, mm-hmm. he's going to be 27 next year with Baltimore. That's a Baltimore team that's improving. What do you think of Renato Nunez? Go ahead. I mean, I think he is just uh, a guy that is 
I don't know. He, he's he. You know, his batting average is what it is. It's you know somewhere between two forty five and two fifty five, uh, Again, likely. It's but not average. That's yeah, fine. and but just a lot of pop in a good stadium on a team that's offense is you know slowly getting better and better. Uh, you know, they're not good by any stretch of the imagination, but. We we like that beast east if that's what they go with again in terms of divisions, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I like Renato Nunez. I think he's just completely overlooked, and he's only twenty six years old. Yeah, yeah, mid twenty seven next year. Um, that's you know still in the midst of of a prime with that we're already seeing yield 30, 30 homers. I think again as that team starts to improve, maybe a hundred ribbies are on the table. He mm-hmm. had ninety. Uh, in 2019, well, in 100 ribby pace, I should say again, because I don't think we're getting 162. But you know, we're still going to talk in paces, just because it works better mentally. You guys mm-hmm. can uh, uh, drop down from that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And you know, he's so cheap that um, I think he's always going to be worth the price. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that anything would change this year that would really push his price up a, a 203 ADP. I'm perfectly fine with that. I have yeah. no issues there. Uh, with Renato Nunez, another guy I like. Um, he does lose like, third base eligibility. I do want to say yeah, that's, that. That's a good point out. The uh, good call out there because he did have the double eligibility this year. It will just be first base, but uh, that's okay. Third base is deep enough to where you don't necessarily need that. Um, I kind of buy into the Jared Walsh breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes complete with some actual changes, some tangible d- differences that helped him really shorten up his swing, cut the strikeout rate, and he was attacking. Now, nine homers and 109 plate appearances, that is a pace that is not going to continue. But he did pop 36 uh, with a 325 average back in, in 2019 as well. Rabbit ball, yes. Still, production that, that you can count on and, and believe in with what he did in 2019. I am still a little bit concerned about the playing time. Yeah. Though. I know I got some pushback on that, like, well, yeah, he's going to play us. I understand that they're really going to try to make it work, but Otani's still occupying that DH more often than not, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of bounds to think that maybe they just scrap his pitching altogether this year, mm-hmm. even though he wants to remain a two-way player, and then uh, he's taking DH every day, and Pujols they're paying I mean, him thirty million. He still has the contract, man. He still has to play, but maybe and he's Jared got Walsh, a ten-year development deal. Yeah. Service team services deal. Yeah, here was the one thing I got in in a comment because when I, I pointed that out about Walsh, I was like, I don't know, man, is he necessarily going to play every day? Um, a suggestion that maybe Joe Adele is is the odd man out. Like, why would he have to start the season with them based on what he did? And then you have Upton and Walsh flanking Trout in the outfield. What do you think about that? Can he? Play the out- oh, I guess he did play yeah, the outfield. Yeah, he's a corner outfielder too. Oh, I didn't. I honestly did not realize that. Um, I mean, I think especially to start the season, we could see that if you know if Adele does, looks lost in spring or or wherever the the spring training quote unquote spring training <laughs> is this year. Uh, I think we could definitely see him go down to start the season, and then they put Walsh. Uh, on the other side of Trout, I think the, they're going to find ways to get him in. Uh, I mean, they have to. He was yeah. so good. By the way, Walsh was a two-way player up until, I mean, he has five major league innings. Mm-hmm. And so um, I bring that up particularly because that 
that that speaks well for his arm in the corner outfield mm-hmm. spot. And I do think with Upton's age, Walsh would probably be the right fielder there. And so, you know, maybe not completely inept uh, in the corner there helping Trout out. No, we, we, because... I mean, we grade him as a 55 field 60 throw on Fangraph. So uh, I, I think that he... That just, plays. Yeah, I think he's probably completely adequate to do the... I think maybe that is the right decision, especially if Adele... I mean, Adele needs more time. And, I mean, I yeah. think everybody, including myself... It was like, why are you keeping Adele down? This is why. Like, they, you know, he obviously Sometimes still, they're not ready. Yeah. He obvi- he's super raw, super talented. I think he will be good at some point. But uh, especially Even when if- you've got one more year of Pujols kind of clogging one roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. E- even if Adele barely touches the majors this year, he'll be age 23 going into 2022. Yeah. Like, it's not the end of the world. Meanwhile, Walsh, small sample or not, in 32 games solidified himself as somebody who has to be given an opportunity to see where he's at. So I like what he was able to do. I'm pretty in on, on that. I just traded away Jared Walsh in that 30-team, uh, uh, 100-man roster league. I got uh, Josh Hader. Okay. Um, I like that. You know, it's, it's set up like real baseball where, you know, there's – uh, you know, con- contracts and, you know, mm-hmm. based on, uh, you know, real life contract or not real life contracts, but our versions of, of real life contracts. And so I got Josh Hader uh, completely paid for for 2021 and then whatever his arbitration rage is for 2022. Uh, and I gave up Walsh in a first round uh, amateur pick. Um, but my team's ready to compete and 2021 is is, is the year. Well, then that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good that's a good win win deal. I think too, because uh, the guy, uh, the person that got uh, Walsh for Hater, mm-hmm. I think is a is a sharp move. Do you as know well, how old so. Jared Walsh is? I think he's like twenty six or twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Yeah, close. Yeah, so he's you know, perfectly in that range to be peak, but not you super know? young. No, 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 no. I think yeah, that's why you were bringing it up to point mm-hmm. out that he's not some. Because he was a two-way player, it took him a little bit longer to get to the majors, I think. Yeah, to figure out where where exactly they wanted to utilize him. Maybe they should do both. That's worked out for them. They need the bullpen now. (laughs) They do need the bullpen now. Uh, Let me me be Homer a little bit here and talk Jimer Candelario. Why? Um, When the Tigers got him, I was really excited. I was like, yo, this is going to be the piece. And he showed a little something in 18, hitting 19 homers, but it was a 224, 317, 393. The slash line was problematic there, but there were some underlying things like, okay, there's a little something here. Then a pretty bland 2019. They only played 94 games, and the output just wasn't there. And I was at the point where I was like, I got to see something now. I'm not, I'm not going to buy and and let it let it go from there. I'm going to make him. Uh, perform, you know, sh- show something is is there worth buying, and then I can jump back in. And I did just that this year when he started to really play well for the Tigers and and be one of the few bright spots. Did end up getting a little bit hurt, had a strained lower back, but still ended up playing 52 games for the Tigers: 297, 369, 503, with seven homers. Uh, quality switch hitter, still just 27, has been around for a while, kind of in that. You know, we're talking about a lot of guys in that 26 to 28 range there. Um, and balance himself out a little bit, too. Candelario had always been somebody who can 
uh, hit one side, hit well against lefties, but had a real heavy platoon. Still had a heavy platoon, but that's because he decimated lefties and merely was solid against righties. Had an 808 OPS. The key, though, he did have a 343 BABIP against righties. He's going to need to maintain some performance against righties if he's going to be very good for the Tigers, but I am intrigued by him as a corner. Um, and at the price, can't really complain um, about about Candelario going in the 250s. So what do you th- what do you think about Candelario? 260s actually, 267 ADP. Pardon me. Yeah, um, I just like other guys in the area. Um, you know, I mean, I guess he's the batting average. God is buoyed by a 272 Babbitt. Hmm. I mean, I think he's better than he was in 2019, uh, and I don't... 372, Babib. Oh, sorry. You said 272. Sorry, yeah, 372, Babib. Um, and so I think he's somewhere in between his 2019 and 2020. So maybe he's like a 260 guy with 20 to 25 home runs. I just sure. don't know that he's that special uh, of a player that I want to... I mean, it's not like you have to invest much, but I just think there are guys going around him or after him that I think I'm a little bit more interested in. Okay. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be that special as a corner, Um, but I'm I'm back in a bit. Like I said, I'd been been in early, jumped out, I'm back. Um, Pick another guy here that you like. Again, we can't talk all of them, so we'll pick one more each, and then we'll we'll talk about a few youngsters and get out of here. Um, I mean, nobody really is paying attention or cared about the Jesus Aguilar bounce back. I did. He was good. I had him. Yep. Um, And he was a guy that I kind of talked up coming into the season as like a late uh, first base option. Uh, And like, he was good. And I think he's going to continue to play. Right. I mean, yeah, he's uh, not a free agent until 2022. I mean, there's obviously a chance he could get traded and that hurts him in terms of, you know, his playing time. But as of now, he's coming into the season uh, as a guy that is going to play pretty close to every day. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a potential for 25 to 30 home runs with a decent batting average. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I was paying for the bounce back on, on Jesus Aguilar. He was a corner slash utility for me in in multiple leagues and i'm happy with the output i got 277 352 457 with eight homers you know nothing that's like completely knocking your socks off just solid steady production mm-hmm. and I, I i this was one of those ones where uh, i i talk about like if you had to show the math work you would get it wrong but you did get the right answer uh, I thought they could be an interesting team that could maybe mess around. I, I didn't think playoffs. I thought maybe they would spoil the playoffs. But I thought it would be because their offense would get going a little bit. That didn't quite happen. But I still think there's some interesting pieces there for that to happen in, in 21. Then, mm-hmm. And Aguilar is a part of that. Now, he did. He was one of the few guys that did hit for them. But I like Marte for a full year. Uh, I'm a big Brian Anderson fan. Garrett Cooper finally got going. Miguel Rojas was weirdly awesome. That one I didn't see coming. Isan Diaz, I still believe in. He came back after opting out. Uh, we'll see what happens with him for a full year. So I still think there's some inter- intrigue here with this offense. Um, 
and Jesus Aguilar could be a part of that. And the reason I mainly bring it up is because his runs and ribbies could then mm-hmm. experience a boost, even though he did pace for over 100 ribbies, as is with his 34. So that's a good call out there. I do like him. Here's a guy I've kind of come around on a little bit, even though uh, I think he ended up uh, getting hurt to end the season. Rowdy Telez mm-hmm. was somebody I really didn't pay a whole lot of mind to. I was kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, it's a fun name. I actually remember seeing him in triple, uh, excuse me, in uh, fall league, but I didn't, I didn't really pay it much mind. Well, he had a damn fine season this year. In fact, he had eight homers, 23 ribbies in just 35 games of work with a 283 average. I think that's the part that really stands out. And I already liked this offense quite a bit and it didn't even include him being a big piece of it. And now you look at his full career, it's 609 plate appearances, basically a full season. 33 homers, 91 ribbies, and a 250 average. Uh, that plays. That plays completely, especially as a CI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be just 26. So I like Rowdy Telez. I think he's uh, I think he's a real power option. And uh, I think he has 30 homer, 30 homer upside if you're extrapolating for a full season. What do you think of Telez? I think he's really interesting right now. The problem becomes if they add any offense, he's <laughs> out of a spot. Um well, it depends what they add, right? No, I mean, if they add anything, I mean, I guess if they added a third baseman, they'd play over Shaw, but that's it. Like, yeah, the rest of their would, lineup is locked. Yeah, What? so why would why would they add anything? I still think they could replace... This is um, a team that I think wants to compete. And if I... This if they offense do, competes. No, but I'm saying, like, I think it's a team that wants to compete, and if they see some really good deals on the market, like, if, if they were in on... A Nelson Cruz, though I, I don't no, know that. Stupid. If they buy anything but pitching, they're stupid. I, I agree, but if there's like you know we're talking about or, like this or, or market bench, could like, be really soft. Yeah, but I think that would make that softness capable of buying a bench bat or two. I I don't see any reason. Maybe a platoon partner for Telez, like a a, a lefty smashing right hander or something like that. But otherwise, like what a waste of resources to find anybody. For their top eight, I still think catcher could be a little bit open. Um, not that they're going to go get Real Muto, and if you're not going to do that, then what else is there really to do? Um, but otherwise, you got Biggio, Bichette, Guriel Jr., Teoscar, Vlad Jr., Telez, Grichuk, Shaw. I don't see any reason to really try to upgrade those spots. Even if, like, there are upgrades out there. I'm not saying that's an impeccable uh, lineup that can't be touched. But I'm saying if you're going to expend resources, and they should, it should be on improving the pitching. I I and, completely agree. But yeah, so I'm not too worried about Telez being replaced. Personally. I mean, I think there I think there is a possibility. Um, though I mean, like I said, like Shaw could easily get non-tendered, um, and they maybe maybe where they upgrade is third base. Maybe maybe they're a buyer for Lemayhew. Oh my god, that would be that would be nuts because then you also cut a leg out from a um, mm-hmm. what's it called a, a, a division, uh, opponent, division yeah. competitor. Yeah, yeah. Th- that would be that would be huge. I don't know if they're going to do that, but that I can get behind. Let Shaw go. For, I mean, five and a half mil though for Shaw I mean, is really not that bad. Yeah, but I mean, if you added Lemayhu to that team, and there's really, I mean. We all assume Justin Turner's resigning in LA, right? So, uh, I, I mean, the next best third baseman on the market is like Brad Miller. 
Like it's like third, well, I like, the, but yeah, third I mean, base is not good in terms of the free agent market. Shaw's probably better because of his defense than, yeah. than Miller. Like similar offensive output. So they may actually two. not not <laughs> like they they probably just keep him. Uh, yeah, because I mean you're looking at like Josh Harrison and and you know do they bring back Joe Panic on a cheap deal? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they probably do just keep Shaw. Uh, yeah. You're probably right. They're probably. I mean, obviously the pitching is where they need the help, um, and so if they are going to spend resources, it's likely going to again be on a starter or some bullpen help. Uh, but I, I do worry that he could lose playing time. Okay. I, I hopefully they don't do that to Tellez. I don't think that there's any reason to do so, but you never know. Uh, teams can be silly sometimes, so we'll Only see what happens. Only played 35 games this year. He got hurt. He did, but he got there was hurt. also he missed, wasn't he, he not? missed the last couple couple weeks due to injury. Doesn't that kind of cover it? I mean, he all, I mean he also missed time at the beginning of the season because he was bad. That's all right. That don't right? don't try to rain on my rowdy Tobias <laughs> party. I see what you're trying to do. He might lose some time against. Uh, it's hard. I, I mean, I've been a Tobias guy. You know, as a prospect and yeah. early on I, his I career. I pushed back on losing time early in the year too. He played poorly, but. You know, he missed a game on the 25th, and then a couple Didn't games. Didn't play from the 30th until the 6th of August. They only, he only missed two games in that time. Oh, God. Oh, that's what the schedule was so weird this year. Yeah, All that right. was uh, well, like their stadium situation, wasn't it? Might have been. Oh, uh, you no, know what? It, COVID. COVID with My, the They're probably the supposed Phillies. to play Miami. Yeah. yeah. So don't, don't, don't try that. Uh-uh. I'm calling out all that business right now. How about that? All that business is being called out. All right, let's talk about these three youngsters here and then bounce. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, Evan White, Nate Lowe. Um, Andrew Vaughn went the highest of the three despite not playing in the majors yet. He went as high as 103 because uh, you let drunk people in the two early mocks. That is a uh, that's a stupid pick. I'm sorry. That's just a, a waste of a pick. Don't do that. It makes no sense. There's no logic behind that pick. You do not have to pay that price. So it does not make any sense. Yeah, that's that's a look at me type of pick. Uh, that being said, like uh, I would not want attention if I were that stu- silly. <laughs> um, I really like Vaughn. I think he I do too. Is gonna be pretty good, and uh, I think there there's a really good chance, considering you know some of the other moves that the White Sox has made in terms of signing their young, t- you know, your, their top tier prospects to long term deals. That they get something done with Vaughn and he's up opening day. Where's he playing? First base or DH? E5's gone, so. But that's still a Brayu and Eloy. First base, DH. Eloy plays the outfield. Yeesh. I guess he has to. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Vaughn's defense ain't good either. So. You know, they're he he's probably he's probably the DH. Uh, and Abreu played first. Abreu plays first. So, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think there's a real good chance that he is at worst up, you know, a few weeks into the season, uh, but that he likely breaks camp with the team after they come to some sort of deal. I think he is a guy that, yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a good amount of power in that bat. He should hit for average at some point. I think people are going to be overhyped on him. Uh, and so if he is going in the top 150, it's not going to be on my, my team, but I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited about him. 
Yeah, I, I am generally excited about him, and I'm you know poking fun at somebody overdrafting him like that because that's just it's just way too high to take him that early. But Andrew Vaughn is very intriguing, and if he does find himself with a role relatively soon, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, I do I do agree with with all that. Um, Evan White, I made a joke that I had to have seen every single home run he hit. He had seven. <laughs> and, or eight, and I swear he was in the home. They were all in like him. two games, right? <laughs> well, they all had to be the the Mariners games I was watching because I felt like this guy. First off, I thought he was hitting way better than one seventy six. He, he hit four of them in a like week. Forty two homers. Well, I was I was really dialed into that team that week because I swear I saw so many of these homers mm-hmm. from Evan White, and I thought he had a much better season. But no, it's like. Um, he did hit, you know, the eight homers, but he hit 176, 252, 346. Got that big deal last year out of nowhere, having not even played Triple A. Twenty-four-year-old mm-hmm. uh, gets gets the long-term deal. Can't really spin this as good in any way, shape, or form. Struck out entirely too much at 42 percent. I do wonder what a full season could have looked like instead of just a third of one where he could have had the ups and downs and, you know, kind of grinded through a full rookie season. What's your outlook on Evan White? Do you, do you believe in him at all? Um, Man, this is, this is a tough one because he was everything he wasn't supposed to be. Like, yeah, he was supposed to be like batting average type of guy. Yeah. He was like the, the question was, you know, people thought he would hit for power at some point. Mm-hmm. but we didn't know when it was going to happen and really how good it was going to be, but he was going to hit um, and maybe swipe, you know, uh, more bags than your typical first baseman. He's supposed to be like the athleticism of a Bellinger type. Mm-hmm. To where and be a very good be... defender. And he was yes. none of those things. Uh, he hit for he hit for a decent amount of power, as, as he said, but he... I mean, he looked completely lost at the plate at times. His defense uh, was not very good. Um, I think that this is a guy who was just overmatched. And the Mariners went, we're not winning anything this year. Let's let him figure it out. You know? And respect to them for just keeping yeah. him in, too. Because that would have been foolish to take him out. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who had never had above, what, I mean, 23 percent strikeout rate in in double uh, a in 2019 uh you know in in low a and high a he was you know 10 percent or 19 percent strikeout rates um mm-hmm. and then 41.6 at the majors this year and i mean just really really struggled uh you know the good news is like his o swing wasn't like atrocious um I think he maybe was a bit aggressive at times uh, and just a little bit, uh, just, un, you know, unseasoned. I think he's just a guy that yeah. is still, even though he's kind of an older uh, guy for a prospect, I think he just... 20, 25 next year. Yeah. yeah, I think he's just a guy that needed a little bit more seasoning time. Um, let's count this as that. And, you know, he sh- he can't be any worse than he was. Like, it's, <laughs> it true. can only get better, I think. Um, yeah. So maybe he's a guy who hits, you know, 270 and 25 home runs. Like, yeah. It's, I'm going to buy. Yeah, why not? I'm going to take a shot and, you know, put Evan White as like a utility bench type 
and kind of kind of see what's what here because you know I can't claim to have known too much about him before he signed that big deal. Mm-hmm. Then I you know studied and saw okay this is interesting. Then I watched him this year and he did not do what he was supposed to, um, like you said. But I'm not fully deterred because of some of the things that he was able to accomplish with the power at least and kind of grinding through. So, yeah, I'm not going to completely throw him out. And we talk about this a million times about how mm-hmm. if they don't, if rookies don't perform right away, they get thrown to the wayside. And I do think we are seeing a little bit of that Yeah. with, uh, uh, with Evan White here. So, yeah, count me in. Count me in. I'm going I'm to take a shot. What about uh, what about our other one here, Nate Lowe? I know he's on the worst team ever for yeah. playing time. I mean, that's the problem is, like, I just don't know where he finds the playing time to matter. Uh, you know, and it's it's too bad for him. But, they, I mean, they still have G-Man Choi, <laughs> like, for cheap in arbitration. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, he just doesn't have the place to play. Um. You know, now he is under contract. He did sign the long-term, you know, deal to get him up quicker. Uh, and so, I mean, he's going to be on the team. He's, you know, it just, I, I just don't know there's enough playing time there on a team like the Rays. Unless he gets traded, uh, it just, it, I, I, I can't invest. Like, like, you know, talk about young guys that I'd rather invest in. Like, give me Seth Beer, you know. Ooh, Okay. You know, a guy that I think has a real path to playing time, especially with the DH uh, in Arizona. Uh, like, his defense, he, he cannot play defense. Like, he grades out worse defensively than I do. Um, and I and I largely DH for my slow-pitch softball team. Like, that's like how bad my defense is. That's funny. Um, but he can Roasted. hit. He can absolutely hit. He hit 299, 407, 543 with 16 home runs in 63 games uh, in in Double A for the Astros uh, before being traded over to the Diamondbacks, where he only got 100 plate appearances. So, like I, I think Seth Beer is more valuable in 2021 than Nate Low, unless okay. Nate Low gets traded. If Nate Low gets traded, we'll have another conversation. Sure. Sure, because that would really open up the playing time, and uh, I totally understand you on that. Um, all right, yeah, and that's the difficult part of non-established Rays is where they're going to get the playing time to establish themselves, um, and it's hard to really project that with with regards to Nate Lowe. So I totally understand the uh, the damp outlook that you have on on him and, and what he could possibly do. So, all right, well, hopefully you guys enjoyed our first look there at first base. We're going to kind of tour the positions here in the coming weeks and, uh, you know, talk about news as it comes up. And we spared people another conversation about the Snell move. Mm. That was pretty nice of us, right? Yeah. Okay, and well, and gonna... we didn't talk about Justin Turner. Yeah, it was pretty nice on both fronts. You're mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> so we're going to keep to that and go ahead and get out of here. Justin, I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.